God bless our native land, firm may she ever stand through storm and night. Our text for our sermon is Psalm 82, a psalm by Asaph. God is standing in the assembly of God. In the midst of the gods, he renders judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show favoritism to the wicked? Interlude. Judge in favor of the weak and the fatherless. Acquit the oppressed and the poor. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know. They do not understand. They walk around in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I myself said, you are gods, and you are all sons of the Most High. But you will die like men. You will fall like any other ruler. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for you will take possession of all the nations. This is the word of our Lord. Asaph, if it's the one we think it is, lived at the time of King David. So this psalm was written 3,000 years ago. And this was obviously a psalm lamenting about lousy leaders, especially leaders in government. This wasn't just specifically critiquing David, who as a whole was a good king. But the Psalms were part of the Old Testament hymn book. There was 150 of them. And can you just imagine sitting at church and singing, Lord, our leaders really stink. They're really doing a bad job. That's what we're doing here. And we've gathered on the 4th of July for the Sunday worship, and we are very grateful for the freedoms we have in America, freedoms that no other nation in history has had, but we're especially grateful for the freedom of speech and the freedom of religion. And yet, when you turn on the evening news, depending on which news channel you go with, you will find that they are really quick to point out the uh, corruption and the sins especially of the opposite political party and quick to cover up theirs of their own. And again, depending on which news channel you're watching, you can tell where their biases are. So today, even looking at our own government, while we are so grateful for the freedom we have, we'll ask that question, how can God be working through such corrupt leaders? Our psalm begins by saying, God stands firm in the assembly of God. In the midst of God, of the gods, he keeps on passing judgment. What does it mean that God stands in the assembly of God? First, this is the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God in three persons, yet one God, taking counsel among themselves. But Jesus also says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. So God is taking counsel amongst himself, but he's also looking and ruling over for his church. The purpose of government really is to protect those who belong to the invisible church. Now, not everybody belongs to the invisible church. So for all the world, the purpose of government is to protect life and to protect property. And God is already discussing this amongst himself and he's already ruling to work for the benefit of his church. Look, for example, at the prophecies of Daniel during the exile to see how God reveals the nations that he will use that will be ruling over Israel, yet he will preserve Israel. And so he says, in the midst of the gods, he keeps on passing judgment. We're going to get into this a little later today, but the, the gods are the people who have power that others don't, such as kings, such as political leaders. But there it is, he keeps on passing judgment. Now, 
The Hebrew word used there, in today in America, we have three separate branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial. In the Hebrew language, those were all combined into one. So that word means passing judgment, but it also means ruling. Even at times when unbelievers are ruling over nations and persecuting, they do not realize that God is ruling through them and he holds them accountable. In fact, at the very end of our psalm in Psalm 8 is the prayer, Rise up, O God, judge the earth, because you keep on holding on to all nations as your possessions. Now, tense doesn't work in Hebrew the way it does in English. If this were the future tense, it would clearly be communicating that uh, God would, be, would, would take a hold of his possession, uh, the world as his possession, and that would be talking about Christ, his humanity, remember he's a descendant of David, uh, taking what was already the property of his divinity, all the possession of all the earth. But God made all this. He owns it. And so we always have to remember the one who lived and died for you is ruling over all creation for you. So that even when governments and corrupt rulers are persecuting Christians, they're only going to get so far. God will say this much and no further. So how can God be working through such corrupt leaders? They are accountable to God, period. One way or the other, they're going to answer to him. And there's a point where God says, enough of your evil. And so let's get into what God expects them to do, because he does hold them accountable. Verse two says, how long will you guys keep on judging perversely? Now, again, a reminder that Hebrew verb for judging, uh, it also means ruling. Anybody who's in a leadership position, this can be government or this can be a leadership position in church. The judge means delivering to, to rule, to, to look over things. This is they're, they're judging perversely. Now, we're not meaning that they just judge like perverts. That's another word. But the, the Hebrew word is very similar and from the same root as one of the Hebrew words for sin, where we take what we know is God's holy, good and correct will and we twist it to suit our purposes. So especially when it comes to government leaders and in America today, we think of judges who they make their judgments in a way that they twist to suit their will. Remember, God is the one who tells us what is holy. And he expects those who are leaders to deliver justice to the people. And so verse 2 continues, how long will you guys keep on lifting up the faces of the wicked? Now, that's not an idiom we use in English. But when you have, for example, a, down, a, a child who's really sad and their face is down, and somebody like their mom or dad puts their hand underneath their chin and lifts up their chin and says, cheer up, little Billy. The wicked are going around downcast because if the courts, if the rulers, if the leaders do what they're supposed to do, they're going to be in trouble. But instead, those who are in leadership positions are showing favoritism to them. They're lifting up their face. So now they have a reason to rejoice. Here we have the Hebrew word selah, which the more I translate the Psalms, the more I'm convinced was instructions to the uh, person playing an instrument or to the orchestrator to just play a thoughtful pause for people to think about that for a while. Then he begins a list of commands. You guys are to administer justice for the lowly and the fatherless. Now, one of the reasons why I'm so grateful to be an American is thanks to the influence of Christianity and everything, nothing has done more to destroy a caste system in governments 
than what we have in America today. You look even around the world today, and if somebody is born to a servant, they're expected to be a servant, and people think they're getting what they deserve. But here they're told, no, don't let, the, don't let those who are in an upper class like the ruling class, don't let them tread all over those who are lowly and in a lower class. And they're to administer justice for the fatherless. That would be orphans. But I really want to add something here and allow me to take a minute to step through it. When I was a kid growing up in our American public school system, I was taught this definition for government. Government determines who gets what, when, and where. <clears throat> I'm sorry, that's God. The people who teach that definition are making government God. Be careful of that. Government is to protect life. And you need property to preserve your physical life, so it protects your property. Now, the fatherless, especially in the days that this psalm were written, there was nobody to earn the living and harvest the crops for the children. There was nobody to protect and defend them. So you had to look out for the lowest of people and the orphans and everything. Now, I want to add a side note, and I'm not bashing my country. But who is the most fatherless and lowly? Who are the most defenseless? It is nothing but pure bullying when our government allows fathers to abandon children and mothers then to say, this child is an inconvenient, I'm going to murder it. We talk about different people's rights and choices. When does the child get the voice? Because I guarantee you, the child would tell you, I have a right to live. And somebody who thinks it's okay to murder an innocent life that can't even speak up for itself has no business even making judgments for your property in a court. They have no business leading government because they don't understand the primary function of government is to protect life. Verse 3 continues, You guys are to bring about justice to the afflicted and the poor. Again, what a blessing today our founding fathers decided you have a right to an attorney, so even if you cannot afford one, one is provided for you. The afflicted, when people are, 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 are oppressing others. There's a horrible stain in American history in that slavery. But isn't it wonderful that we set up a government where people gave their lives, but they stood up and they stopped that affliction. Verse 4 says, you guys are to deliver the lowly and needy. You guys are to pull them out from the hand of the wicked. And what a beautiful picture we have of government standing up for those who can't stand up for themselves, pulling them out, literally snatching them from the hand that would enslave them, that would push them underneath their thumb, that would take advantage of them and kick them down so that the wicked could prosper. You're to pull them out of that. So we see how could God be working through such corrupt leaders? Like it or not, they're accountable to God. But God here spells out for them. God expects them to deliver justice. That's the point of government. That's the point of leadership. Verse 5 tells us they do not know. Now, it's very interesting because the Hebrew word used for knowledge there is experiential knowledge. Let me give you an example. When I was very young, very, very young, I one time told a lie. And... 
Then I had to tell a bigger lie and a bigger lie and a bigger lie. It was almost like a, a Hollywood comical movie to cover up the lie and finally in frustration, I just came clean with the whole thing. Through experience, I learned. I already knew lying was wrong. Through experience, I learned that lying, it, it's just too complicated. It's easier to be straightforward and honest. But you know, sadly today, there are many different theories about governments, and, and one of them is very wrong, and that theory is that government gives you rights. As if, God, and that again is making government God, as if it's the one that delegates out your rights. No, you have rights, the government's supposed to protect them, as we saw there, in the, that God expects them to deliver justice in verses two through four. In America, because America's really a republic, it's, it's not a democracy, we get confused on that. But we often in America today think that we can vote on what is right. In fact, you often see public opinion polls about things that you go, you've got to be kidding me. That would be robbing from other people to, redistrib to redistribute things, or that would be taking innocent life. Once again, people don't know the purpose of government isn't it pulls us all together and we get to vote on what's right and wrong. God tells us what is just, what is holiness. And sadly, corrupt leaders, they don't know. They have a different standard and it's the wrong standard. And so, verse 5 continues, time and time again they do not discern. The Hebrew word is from the root of between, things between things. What don't they discern? The truth of the matter is this is obvious. They can't discern right from wrong. They don't understand what is just and what is in unjust. Oh, if you come to them, and especially there are judges today who they will scream out a certain kind of morality, but their standard is all wrong. And if you've got that wrong, then you're not going to be able to discern between what's right and wrong. People's property is their property. It is not the government's job to take that and, be, and give it to others. That's just a legalized thief. Life is life, and it's government's job to protect that. When you end up with people who despise life, you end up with people like Hitler that start killing the, the lives that they think are lowly. And again, we see a corrupt leader that's not able to discern. But God expects them to know right from wrong. So verse 5 says, time and time again, they walk about in darkness. And if you want to know what that means, walking about is a Hebrew way of saying live because you're always walking around in it, right? And we look no further than the beginning of John's gospel where he refers to Jesus as the light that no darkness can overcome. The darkness of unbelief is a terrible thing. A person can be a decent leader and be an unbeliever, but they cannot be an excellent leader unless they are a believer. Because there is something that really holds a person accountable when they recognize they are accountable to a higher authority. And in fact, then when you understand that authority is God. And this is very important because that authority then includes being able to show mercy. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I used to work in a prison. And prisons are full of bullies. It is disgusting what happens in prison as inmates bully each other. Now, there are some crimes like a malicious murder or, uh, or, or rape that they kind of deserve to be left away from society so that society is protected from them. 
But we have people who have drug addiction problems, and if they haven't hurt others, it's a problem. To throw them in with that kind of bullying where, that, that they face daily, and maybe you can draw together some of the things that happen in prison, Hollywood likes to capitalize on it, instead of giving them the kind of help they need. If we show too much mercy, and we hear about this all the time, when, for example, child molesters who have harmed children, done physical damage for the rest of their lives, are let off with the slap on a wrist because of a judge who cannot discern between right and wrong, that kind of mercy is wrong. It really takes a believer to take a look at somebody who needs help versus somebody who is a harm and a detriment to society. And so without belief, they walk around in darkness and they're not able to know when it's time to throw the book and when it's time to show mercy. Now, verse 5 ends by saying, Time and time again, all the foundations of the earth are shaken. And what it's saying here is, another neat picture, God established certain principles. Now, you've got a conscience built into you. God built that into you of right and wrong through which humanity exists. And without them, humanity cannot exist. We turn on each other and destroy each other. And when those who are leaders, whether it be a president or a king or a judge or even church leaders, when they fail in these things, when they are walking around in unbelief, when they're unable to discern between right and wrong, justice and injustice, when they don't know the foundations of humanity are shaken as if the earth itself were being shaken. So we see God expects them, expects them to know right from wrong. And we covered right away that God holds them accountable. So let's get to the final answer to this question. How can God be working through such corrupt leaders? Verse 6, God says, I myself said, you guys are gods and you guys are all sons of the Most High. Do you know some of the most powerful men in the world right now are the President of the United States, the President of Russia, so, uh, are the men who are the heads of the most powerful governments. They have a power that, that the regular people, that they don't have. And so they represent God. They represent God and have a power that the rest of us don't have. Now, allow me to digress for a minute and explain how this works. I'm often amazed at how each commandment flows into the next. You shall have no other gods. God is to have first place in your heart. Your heart's his throne. Nothing's to be equal to in your love or higher than God. And so then don't make images and things that would that, that are false gods or, to, or worship those as if they're God because then they would have that first place. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain because that's the name that you call upon as God rules for you. Remember the Sabbath day. This is especially how you call upon the name of the Lord in worship and praise and are taught how to call upon the name of the Lord. And then the first commandment that deals with the second table of the law, our relationship with our neighbors, actually those other commandments that deal with our relationship with God flow into it because it's God's representatives. And that's epitomized in parenthood. And so it says, honor thy mother and father that it may go well with thee and thou mayest live long upon the earth. What are we getting at here? We're to honor these people. They are God's representatives, whether it's parents, whether it's church leaders, whether it's rulers. But they are to remember that they represent God. And some of the greatest pressure is put on fathers because they are to represent Christ's love and mercy as well as his holiness. 
But here God is saying, you are my representatives. And if you represent somebody, if you misrepresent them, if you misrepresent the king, you're in trouble. And so verse 7 says, even so, time and time again, you guys die like man. And time and time again, you guys fall like one of their leaders. And here's where we finally get to the biggest answer. How can God be working through such corrupt leaders? And the answer there is, number one, they are mere mortals and God reminds them. And lots of times when you have people persecuting the church or persecuting others, God says, fine, you're going to die. That's what happened to Joseph Stalin. What happened to the various Roman emperors who were persecuting the Christian church? But you notice he also says, and time and time again, you guys will fall like one of their leaders. Let me give you a historical example again from the vision Daniel had about those churches. He, he, he has a vision about this winged lion, and that's the Babylonians. God used the Babylonians to discipline his people who were chasing after false gods. But when Nebuchadnezzar, when he got too full of himself, God stroke, struck him with insanity for seven years. Nebuchadnezzar learned his lesson, but then when the next guy, when his, when his predecessor his, uh, came after him, God took the country away from them using the Persians. That was the lopsided bear because it was the Medeo persian Empire. When the Persians got to the point of corruption, God used Alexander the Great. That was the four-headed cheetah. He had four generals because Alexander did not leave a, a, an heir behind. So his, his, what he had conquered was divided up amongst them. Now, especially two of those ancestors, two of those generals were, were persecuting the Christians and Antiochus are the Christians, the Jews. And Antiochus comes in and even sacrifices a pig to the false god Zeus in the temple. So what does God do? God uses the Romans. The point here is one way or the other, God deposes them. And the way that God does this is using other government to stand up to corrupt government. So when you get, for example, to men like Hitler who were killing people and everything, God used England, God used France, God used America, and Hitler came tumbling down, took his own life rather than be arrested and answer for the things he did. So yes, they seem like they're getting away with it, but God says, no, you're my representative. And if you don't do this right, let me remind you, you are a mere mortal. And let me remind you, I will remove you from their throne. They don't get away with it forever. God sends them toppling. We are here today because the, uh, the, the signing of the Declaration of Independence, in which they said there are certain inalienable rights that we have. Government was meant to protect those with honesty and justice. And I am so grateful for my fellow citizens who serve in our military and stuff to protect my freedom of speech and my freedom to worship God. And I want to thank them especially and let them know I pray for you as you serve in that so today we've asked that question, how can God be working through such corrupt leaders? They are accountable to God. He does hold them accountable. God makes it clear he expects them to deliver justice. God expects them to know right from wrong. God expects them to represent him. And when they don't, he says, I'll shorten your life. I'll take your life and I'll dethrone you. But this is the God who rules through even these governments for your good because he has lived and died for you and rules over all creation for you to deliver you safely to the kingdom of which you have the most valuable citizenship, the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Let us conclude with prayer. Give us rulers who will be known for love and honesty. Let the powers that you ordained be in righteousness maintained in the people's hearts increase love of piety and peace. 
Thus united we shall stand, one wide, free, and happy land. Amen.